Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Noise Podcast. I'm here with Jack, who I didn't give enough introduction to earlier in the podcast last time we did, and he got really annoyed about it. He actually mentioned this twice when I actually saw him at the weekend. You're like, you know, he didn't introduce me properly. So um, he's Jack Holloway. Um, he runs noise, um, albeit distantly, like a shadow hanging over the evil castle at the end of a Mario game. Um, he's the wearer of hats, haver of children, buyer of houses, screamer into hands, um, lover of metal and rock and some other embarrassing um, songs that we won't and genres that we won't need to get into right now. Uh, but if you heard our um, Noise Album of the Year podcast, you know that Jack always seems to find a Portuguese folk funk group somehow that just seemed to play just directly in the alleyway opposite his garden that have like the seventh best album that year, according to him. So here he is, uh, the man, the myth, the man himself, the legend, Jack Holloway. Was that enough? Because I can write another one. We can restart this whole podcast right now if you need to. If it wasn't grand enough, it was like an intro, a new intro for you. Is that is that okay? There's so much unpicking that is needed for that intro and it paints <laughs> such a horrendous picture of me. Uh, Haver of children makes it sound like I'm some medieval <laughs> warrior that just goes around the lands having and abandoning children. Buyer of houses. I have a house, but I don't go around buying houses. What am I, some fucking mad merchant? Like, that is not a thing. Uh, I, I love the rest of it. I like the grandeur of it, but I would mm. appreciate... Uh, you've got we've got room to work on that. It's fine. It's okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll write I'm some right of you. I'm all right, though, Sam. I <laughs> am. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm also fine, virgin on a nervous breakdown at the moment, but you know, we're pulling through. Um, me and you um spent some time at a festival this weekend, didn't we? No, we spent some time at a festival that we had a stage at. Yes, we absolutely did. So Noise ran a stage at a festival that we're now officially gonna call Power, because I'm just gonna I'm just going to bank that nobody's going to listen to this podcast again for 11 and a half months and then I'll pronounce it properly then. Um, but we we ran a stage, um, a noise stage at Fuel and I'd say, Jack, it went pretty well. It was so awesome. I mean, I say that like, you know, I will, uh, I'll own up. It was my daughter's birthday. I was at said daughter's birthday. Um, Haver of children. She's, she's the only child. Uh, but I have, I did have her, not personally, but I contributed and uh, she is, she is mine. So yes. Um, yeah. So I bet it was amazing. I mean, I'm looking at all that I've been, I've, I've spent some of today looking at the footage um, with Dean, who is uh, our incredibly talented creative i've got to forbid his fucking introduction whenever he comes on the podcast i do have to do a podcast gonna... separately just to introduce him i think <laughs> uh, you know and we had the the noise gang um there on the day and uh yeah we we, we were just you guys were firing off all cylinders when you? you know you were we were interviewing we were taking photos we had uh, a table you could come say hey you could buy a top it was awesome. And um, the whole festival seemed to run really well. Uh, Luna was ecstatic by the end of the day, who, who's the, you know, who's, uh, the festival organiser. Um, it was ambitious. It was bold. Uh, every band fucking killed it. Um, expect mm. a ton of content coming out on that. I think, Sam, you did uh, six interviews. We That's got, right. Yeah. Um, we got live footage coming out. 
um, and, a, and a compilation video. We uh, will have a podcast episode that will feature all six of those um, interviews collated into one. So expect that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's sick. I mean, like I walked in sort of second, um, sort of, um, I, can't oh, yeah, I walked in when Nightlife's playing and they were playing just yeah. before Headliner <clears throat> Bears and Trees. And uh, just the atmosphere and the, and, and the crowd were just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it, it was beyond all expectation, wasn't it for us? You know, we were just stoked to be involved and anything else was a bonus and there were so many bonuses. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agreed. It was a really successful festival for what we wanted to do and what we wanted to show ourselves to be really good opportunity to get around and speak to some of the more excited unsigned bands knocking around as well. It was great to speak to all the bands that we managed to speak to, managed to get some really cool interviews with a whole host of the bands that were on. Um, just whip round and some of the noise folks in terms of setting up those interviews and liaising between me and the bands and you're going to be over here and I'll meet you over here and I'll wait for you here to have this chat and you're okay with this. Every band was just really gracious and really accepting of the time that we wanted from them. Um, on top of that, it was just a wicked festival as well. Like the actual, the actual music performances were top notch. Our special thanks to Dude Trips, um, who I thought were just really, really, really good. And completely, completely really surprised me. <laughs> um, so the point when I was interviewing, I was like, oh, I just want you to know that I fucking hate pop punk, but I love you. And I, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to say it, but I, that's how I felt. Um, they were really, really great. Um, maybe it speaks to sort of the atmosphere of the, the festival. I thought Night Lives were absolutely tremendous. Um, I thought Bearing Trees at the end were a brilliant headliner. They seemed to bring some of their own fans there as well, rather than just sort of like the collective of people that were there for the festival in general. Uh, saw El Muno, they were fantastic, spoke to the focus for El Muno, was one of the most interesting people I've ever met. But then on top of that, we managed to get some amazing footage, obviously talking about Dean, who was like running around like a madman, like um, like halfway between like a David Attenborough level nature documentary maker, the level of HD footage he was getting, but also sort of flying in between doing photography and all these other bits and bobs and just sort of um, being with me at like the drop of a hat, if anything needed, he was just amazing from start to finish. Stevie was fantastic sort of liaising with the bands and talking to the groups and sort of helping us um, get into those interviews and things like that, helping me prompt some of the questions and things like that when I was um, sort of flitting in between bands and flitting in between moments and stuff. And it was just cool. We, it was just really nice to have everybody involved. It was a massive success. And I think it provides a platform for us um, next year to be involved was, again um... and, it, it was it was so seamless and, and massive shout outs uh, on top of uh, Dean, Stevie, yourself, um, Paul and uh, Dan, mm -hmm. Hannah. It just it was just like a well-oiled machine that had very I mean, we did prepare, but um, also it just seemed to work, didn't it? But yeah, huge, huge shout outs to everyone uh, involved, bands, fans, Luna and uh, the Noise Gang. Yeah, it was it was a tremendous success all around. It was just a real, real warm atmosphere and just fantastic to be involved in something like that. But that is not the only reason that we are gathered to speak today. As you might have guessed from the title, um, we're here to review the new Malevolence album. Um, and I, I, I don't know where to start with this, but we'll start with some some context. Malevolence are going to release an album called Malicious Intent. It's due out on Friday the 20th of May. That is a week on Friday. Today is the 12th of May that we're recording. Obviously, this will come out a little bit later, but at the time of recording, it's about eight days away. Um, and Jack, I want to come to you first before we even get into the, into the band the discussion of the record. Um, am I right in saying that Malevolence are a little bit newer to you than they are 
to Mad and myself. It's a relatively new band for your terms of interest. When did you start getting into Malev? Uh, the Other Side EP. Um, and I, I stumbled across Keep Your Distance. And I was like, oh, that's mm. like, that's that's a bit of me. Um, it's, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm not an avid hardcore fan, but that that song absolutely slaps. It captures me in all the right places. And also that EP then came out a little bit after and had the title track on it. And that other one, I can't remember the other track that's on that free track EP. But man, like I, I haven't had I haven't had feelings like that for metal since since while she sleeps brainwashed. And that's that is I can't give any more of a better compliment than that. Yeah, for you, that's kind of like the gold standard of metal records, isn't it? Especially in the last decade. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> for me, um, I first heard about Malevolence when I heard Serpent's Chokehold um, at a nightclub. And thought these are these are terrific. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we were doing sound check in 2016. And uh Chris said, I'm thinking of reviewing this album because it's kind of kind of gathering some attention. I think you quite like this. And I remember ch- chucking on uh, Supremacy as part of the review and thinking to myself, I've never heard a band like this ever, really, where you just flip between, oh, okay, that's thrash metal, oh, that's death metal, that's doom, that's a bit of Pantera, that's sludge, that's Texas blues. And this is all within like the same four minute song. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and there was just a whole album of that. And I was immediately hooked. It was in top five uh, album for me and Chris at the time of reviewing. Um, it really spoke to that sort of that versatility and that excitement that they were able to provide. Then managed to um, grab an interview with them supporting Knock Loose, uh, maybe a year or two later, 2018, 2019, in the noise range. And then I interviewed them a second time for the other side and by that point i was like well in um to the point now i'd actually consider malevolence like a top 10 to 15 band for me uh like in my personal tastes um and they've just take, gone from strength to strength to strength and it appears that that what we've got here is a potentially really special album are you getting the same kind of this could do the business for them kind of vibes that i'm kind of getting listening to this I mean, like you said, time of recording, we're on, we're on the 12th of May. So a week ago today, I was watching Malev uh, at Cardiff supporting architects and they, they turned an arena into a fucking hardcore show. Like, I, 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 you know, and, and we know by now with Malev that there's no small or medium sized venue that they can't absolutely decimate. You know, the, the narrative is that you're going to get your, your head taken off your shoulders if, if it's smaller than 150 cap. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. But but often like there's this sort of discussion at, at how how that then translates to a bigger, a bigger stage, a bigger venue. Sometimes it doesn't quite carry across. And they turned an arena of 8000 people into into an, it, it was like being in a 100 cap venue. It was it still felt like a hardcore show. It still felt in- intimate. It still felt amazing. And and the reason I say that is because they walked onto that stage, and with a certain like a level of prowess about them that was just that. It's almost like they know. It's almost like they know that this is going to be the you know the record that comes out and just fires them into the stratosphere. 
uh, and it, it was it was an amazing moment. I think we'll look back on that, and I think we'll look back at the runs of shows that they have following release, and it will become. I know we're already championing them so much, but it will almost become so blatantly obvious that there's there's no stopping them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I think um, you could have said a couple of years ago they're sort of one of Britain's best up and coming metal bands, and I think by maybe the end of this tour cycle, heading to the end of this year, that we're talking about them in the same way that we talk about While She Sleeps and, and some other bands of that ilk in terms of great British metal bands, um, sort of heading the way up the ladder. I think that if you look at if you look at the way that the bands sort of evolve over the last decade, you sort of get to these little checkpoints across the band's career, certain albums, certain types of sounds that you're kind of like internally looking for. And when you add that in with the, the live performance element of what they're able to accomplish, that's that's the golden ticket right there. Because if you can combine um, album progression with uh, a scintillating live show, great appearances on good tours, because like the sort of thing is, is that like if you go to an architect show, um, apart from obviously the fact that, you know, that, that turned it into essentially a mosh pit, but I, I would hasten to suggest that what percentage 40, maybe 45% of Architects fans at that show might not have heard of Malevolence before to the, to the sort of depth, you know, it might, it might be, it might be a shout to say that that's the first time they've really experienced them. And that was where you sort of make, make the money in terms of like bringing over the bands, you know, there's lots of historical examples of that, like Tally Crowe and Frozzy Osborne in 86 and Van Halen for Ozzy, um, for Sabbath in, 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 in the, the, the late seventies and stuff like that. And there's, there's lots of these sort of stories where up and coming bands sort of announce themselves on these big shows. And, and then it comes before like a, a significant album and that's that combination sort of takes them over the top. So let's talk about this. We will start about by the fact that we've already heard three singles and they're the three singles that open the, open the, open the album here. So we can sort of group those sort of together. I thought considering obviously if you're listening to this, the first three tunes, we're going to be talking about songs that you've, you've already heard. Um, obviously malicious intent is sort of like the opening track but it's kind of like an, an overture kind of sets the tone immediately yeah. nasty That's violent and just <laughs> it abs- absolutely is and then we get into obviously live live sentence um jack um how many objects did you break the first time you heard alex show <laughs> at the opening and end oh, of this man. song because man my bookcase doesn't look the same i literally wrote on, on this song i was like because there's the there's that grit and that tenacity of his vocals and it's just it just instantly it's nasty isn't it and I man I was like I was like in my room like kind of in this office just like (laughs) just really aggressively on my own own. just I was just so happily (laughs) angry uh, aggressively loving life um it was really just a weird feeling and and then um and then I, I i call them clean vocals like almost doesn't even feel fair yeah yeah but, absolutely it's cleaner isn't it uh, well i mean I, i've said this to you before it sounds like they dug him up and he's just spitting <laughs> mud and gravel he just <laughs> like i've never heard a, a voice like it he comes in there's that bit where he's like the where he says relentless silence and it's like Oh man, like he, he just. Yeah, it sounds like a guy who's been living in a swamp for like 40 years. Just and yeah, ate gutteral. All of it. He ate the whole swamp. That's how he got um, out. And now he is the swamp. 
Absolutely. Like that. I mean, just uh, like it, there's such a such a raw but like toneful, and it, it, that's that's such a huge part of why I'm a fan. God, just the the mix of their vocals. There's there's like no ceiling. It it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I, could... I almost I almost smashed a window to this, and it was ridiculous. I'm not I'm not remote. I'm not remotely surprised. The thing about Malevolence that I love, and especially you hear that on the first three. Three singles, you can easily identify why those are the, the, the introductory songs for this album and the ones that I wanted fans to hear first. Because it, it proves a couple of things. They're able to maintain this ability to um, have all these intricate, snake-like, serpentine riffs, but then immediately flick up, flick tempos and switch into these melodic sections. Like if you look at Broken Glass, you've got the, the toms to open, that catchy riff nestling underneath. There's a great riff in the open exchange, and then it just kicks into this huge huge vocal chorus brilliant solo and then completely twists into this beat down riff amazingly just intricate and then the final sections are like refreshingly simple but thunderous and pummeling and powerful the the fact that every 30 35 seconds in this malevolence album every song um has like a twist a, 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 there can't be you can't you can't just like listen to this album and sort of like follow one tempo just sort of nod along it's impossible you you sort of shape-shifting chameleonic style sort of listening to this album flitting from tempo to tempo to style to style that's what i will say about malevolence regardless of what anybody thinks about the type of music they're into they are absolutely one of the most interesting compelling and sort of change friendly bands i've ever heard they are never dull never boring they are a thrilling band and you listen to Songs like Broken Glass, that is just a fantastic, fantastic, massive chorus. But for me, like as a musician and, and like someone that loves the, just the intricacy and the songwriting and, and, and listening to all these jigsaw pieces being sort of put together in a song, they, they satisfy that need as well. I think that's really special. Such a hard thing though, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, the way that it's just been explained there, all of these different elements to tie, to tie together there's so many bands that don't that don't nail that mix that don't that don't pull all of it together and kind of make a, a package out of it make a song out of it you know you could get so easy with the talent that's in this band you could get so easily carried away uh, of we could include all of these things and this is how we do it but they seem to be able to rein it in so it has structure it has melody it has and in all of the right places as well but then also it has the intricacies that you need it has the you know the influences the bluesy influences that southern you know metal influence to it as well and they just they 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 seamlessly come in they come out and it doesn't feel disjointed it just it, it just feels like it all it's this kind of constantly moving beast in every single song and it, it is it's phenomenal to listen to. Yeah, it, it really, really is. It's, it's a really impressive album, even outside of just the pure enjoyment of liking it. If you like the, um, like the style of music, you can listen to this as just a, as almost like a thought experiment. Listen to how these bands have, how this band have managed to sort of piece this together. It's astonishing, it's such a tapestry. Listen to like sort of still waters run deep, and this is this is my least favorite single of the three. I'll be honest. I think it's it's good. So it's a, it's a thumping Pantera esque chunky riff and i'm going to try and avoid the pantera comparisons because it's such an easy one to make um but it even at the end it just picks picks up pace and it's got that breakdown at the end with the pick scrapes 
across that top that 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 top of the guitar in between stuff and it's just outrageous that they're able to just for me even on what is relatively a weak single in comparison to the other two to have a moment like that that is just as good as some of the other moments and some of the other songs up until that point is just extraordinary and it speaks to the sort of level of quality um interestingly of the three opening songs the three singles do you have a favorite i think i think it's life sentence yeah mine too there's just yeah, a stomp too. and a groove to it that is just and i mean that doesn't that's not to diminish the other two i mean i i, I like still of course beat that 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 clean guitar intro and and like there's something to pick out of everything, isn't there? But yeah, if you're looking at the three of them as singles, I can't remember, was it? I think it was on Broken Glass they released first and then Life Sentence, but Life I Sentence. I believe so, yeah. Like, and Still Waters was the last one. Yeah. Uh, Life Sentence, man. It's just... An amazing song. Amazing that song. That whole they're, package, they're... isn't it? it? It ties it together. That's the one that really does it the most succinctly, you know? Yeah, that, that's going to be the way... Did they open with that out of curiosity? Did they open with Life Sentence when you saw that? Oh, I've got a note here of it actually. Hold on. So they went, well, I mean, they, they, an air, an air raid siren, um, like sounded out for them. To oh, I have so there. much time I, with that. Like Purge oh, style. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, fuck, it's game day. Um, and everyone knew. <laughs> and yeah, the place filled up ridiculously. Um, no, they came on with On Broken Glass. Oh, they had like, like they had like I think the intro of it they had fists pumping in the air as if you know like Parkway nailed when they got to Aya and, yeah yeah uh, yeah and beyond and they got they they nailed that mix of like good heavy metal but it kind of in yeah the that stomp that, that mid-tempo four to the floor get everyone going yeah, yeah. and like what uh you know what Avenged were trying to do with Hail to the King that kind of like arena commanding kind of anthemic quality to it somehow yes. they've got that without the kind of compromise where there comes you know that's that's the and, key and, it's and, without sacrificing the heaviness that's so impressive exactly but they had that same sort of quality about them but yeah they came out to that life sentence was in the in the uh in the set list as well uh, it was oh man it was it was ridiculous they played the other side as well and keep oh, distance that's just just sensational had, like, a, isn't it i'd say they only had like a six or seven song set this um we're we're gonna see them on a tour where they're headlining they're playing 15 songs and people are walking out nursing limbs and yeah 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 you're just and stuff like that. you're just following me picking up my limbs <laughs> just bits of your teeth just sort of shattered everywhere um oh, Jack, you left your toes in the venue oh sorry mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh love it um it's um it's about that time jack or at the we're at that point of the record, the Holy um, Grail. Are we at the Holy Grail? Yeah, yeah. We, I think, I think we are reaching into the point where we need to have a, a separate conversation. We need to talk about, we need to talk about Higher Place, Jack. We need to talk about this song for 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 a couple of minutes here. We, do. Um, we absolutely do. So, when when they released the other side, it was notable because the title track was a slower, ballad friendly song to the likes of which they've never really written. And I remember thinking. I wonder if this is the harbinger of the way to come. Are they going to do this again? Is this a one-off experiment? Is this them testing the waters on an EP? And then maybe we see some version of this later that's even a little bit more risky and a little bit um, more controversial, I guess, for a hardcore and metal band to sort of come across. And we've kind of got that in a sense, but I don't think this is a, con- I'll give you a controversial track at all because um, 
aside from aside from the song with Matt Heafield, it might be even better than that. This is probably the best song on the album. It is um, where do you even start with Higher Place? Higher Place is a masterpiece. I'm going to start. It's a, it's an absolutely magnificent song. It's a song of beauty, of orchestral grandeur. Somehow, just gorgeously written from start to finish. This blend of of musicality, dark and light, and all the rest of it. It is just utterly, utterly wonderful. And uh, I, I, it's just phenomenal. Talk to me about Higher Place, Jack. It's, it's hard, isn't it, when a song is that good because you're kind of just stumbling on not saying anything apart from the fact that it's amazing. How, how they get such beauty out of it. <sighs> on, a, on an album that is full of so much, like we've said, grit, snarl, heaviness, nastiness. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I said to you, I didn't, we didn't talk about it before, but I said to you, higher place, and I gave you the eyes. And you were like, higher place, and you gave me back the eyes. And I said to you, I'm so glad that they put it at this point in the album, because for someone that is going to be experiencing this um, next Friday, they are going to go through potentially really what they already know in the first three mm-hmm. tracks and, and bang, then they're into higher place. And it's like nothing you've ever heard the band do before. It's an extension of what they did on the other side. Um, you're absolutely right. It's a ballad. It'll make you feel things. It in the chorus, it absolutely soars. And yes. that is before even mentioning the guitar solo. That guitar solo, it is just like it's mind blowing. I mean, well, I you know, we it, it's in that similar sort of vein to Moving On by Asking Alexandria, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, though, do not take as a comparison. I mean, in terms of kind of the, the aim and the, the general structure of it, but that, that really anthemic rock metal anthem, nothing does it like this. And no. I just I can't, I can't get over how good this is. I, I, I can't, I can't either. This is just, it's just wondrous. Um, the, the way that it, the way that it grows, like it starts off with the chorus, which is just beautiful. And then it kicks in with this, Utterly, utterly gorgeous, like piercing, clean sound. The guitar just the diddle, 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 and it's just sort of floating in between um, some of the opening lyrics. It's just stunning. It builds up beautifully. It has this real gravity to it, where it sort of comes to this soaring chorus, as you mentioned. It's the perfect word for it. And the guitar solo is like, oh, we can be also be Guns and Roses if we wanted to, just so you know. Um, that's that's in the shelf as well. We can be Pantera and Guns N' Roses. So cool. If you're into any of those bands, then we've got that covered. They're just utterly, utterly phenomenal. And the growth of Alex as a vocalist on this is so pronounced. And the sort of steps they're taking collectively as a band vocally as well. You can feel the confidence that they're able to do something like this. And the production that they're able to achieve while doing it. It's just superb because at the same time, when it kicks into the final chorus, there's an element where it takes on the nature of a classic metal song as well. It still has a punch to it. It still has a a real weight somehow. And it is just extraordinary. It, it, takes, it takes the chorus and then it does it better at the end. Yeah. Like somehow yeah. when he hits that, you know, when he's singing a higher place, there's, some, there's somehow more like of, a, of that rasp 
and that kind of he's got this like croon about mm. his vocal style because it, it's the it's the guitarist and I, I the, his name slipped slip me because the the screaming vocalist solely screams and then the guitarist does cleans as well and I, I can't remember his name but he the the the, the, the combination the combination of them duality of the two of them yeah they're just utterly phenomenal aren't they they're just absolutely amazing um in yeah, terms of the guitarist, I believe it's Conan Hall. God, give um, that man a fucking medal. I, I think he's the he's the second vocalist. Um, he's just he's just tremendous. And if it's not, the other members are Josh Baines and Wilkie Robinson and Charlie Thorpe, and they're all utterly phenomenal musicians. But just as just as a collective, to be able to to, to have that you know, the duality, the dichotomy of those two, um, sort of rotating backwards and forth, it's just it's just a special special song. I implore you, you hear this, you hear the chorus, you think, oh, it's going to be one of those slow ones. I'll skip it. Please don't. Please don't. Just let it, let it play Please out. Don't. Give it a, yeah, give it a, give it a, give it a, give it a real, give it a real chance. I promise you by the end, you'll be like, this is amazing. Um, Cause they're going to, they're going to do a headline tour. Like you've said, after this album's released and they haven't played it yet. And as we're talking about it, no one's heard it. They're going to hear it on the album. It's going to be huge. And then they're going to do a headline tour and they're going to play this. And it is going to be one of the most special moments in that set list and in that tour. And from what you remember from this era of malevolence. And this is the song that shows that there's, I, I don't think there's any limit to what they can or can't do. No, there is no ceiling on this band. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. I agree with you. There was, um, I was talking about this when um, we were doing a Bleed From Within interview, I was talking about lyrics and talking about, um, picking the right lyrics for the right moments. And in this context, you think about band setting, like laying little breadcrumbs for like the band that they're about to be. When, when me and Chris uh, reviewed All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us by Architects, um, and you first heard Nihilist, and it stops, and Sam Carter sings, you know, God clutching a razor blade, looks, look at a fucking messy mate. And it was the first time that they'd started to find mantras and slogans and these really lyrics you can hold on to and gravitate to and then then you can see them written in planners and on wrists of architects fans everywhere they've really found that that mold and then you could kind of hear what more um holy hell was about to be two years later the way that band were progressing and i think this is what's happening for malevolence here they lay the breadcrumbs a little bit with the other side ep this as well their ambition the size of the, the music and the gravity and the, the songs they're putting together these huge tapestries of, of music and, and melody that are putting together is an indication, I think, that no, 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 how great this album is, that the next one is going to be even more on that point. You know what I mean? You can kind of hear the transformation that they're starting to make, where they're actually in co- Like, it feels like they brought out self-supremacy and they're like, we've completed hardcore. Um, that, that's, that's, that's it for us. Um, that's cool. Um, and then they brought out the other side. It's like, oh yeah, we can also we can also make you feel make you feel some feels as well. Fancy a bit of that. And then they were like, oh, do you like it when we were with Knock Loose on that three track EP? We've done that done the same, but this time with a guy at Kluber Khan. And you know that guy who's a front man of Trivium. He's involved as well, and that that bangs too. And we're gonna get to those songs in a minute. But like, it's in the first three or four songs, we're, like, we're already like one of the best metal bands in the in the country we're doing one of the best hardcore post-hardcore bands in the country but also we're going to make you sort of think is this a classic rock song is this is this i mean it's a bit of a claim i'd i think 
Higher Place is better than anything I've heard on the last two Parkway Drive albums. I'm just going to start there. I can't argue it. I can't so argue it. And if uh, if you're looking for a modern metal classic that takes that that takes the classic tropes of metal but makes it feel fresh, look no further. Because right? if I've got to throw one song into the mix into that into that shark pit for a fight, this is I'm throwing this in. Because it's got everything, uh, you know. I, I, don't, I don't. It's a bold claim, but I think people will be agreeing with us in however long, you know, it takes for people to realise that. Absolutely, completely agreed. So now that we've waxed lyrical about higher place, which I could definitely do for a separate podcast on its own. Like, um, I know the bees does a series of podcasts where he just spends an hour talking about one song i definitely reckon after like the 15 metallica songs that i could do um i could absolutely do 40 minutes on higher place uh, i really think we both could actually but we need to move on because there's there's like four or five songs left on the album that we haven't even touched including both features we're like half um, <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely remember we were like oh yeah we'll knock this out in half an hour this is the third minute 33 and we've we've not even got 40 percent. this is like uh, malevolence the extended edition um so I think Karma's like an album track, right? But, 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 um, a normal service just resumes and it feels like that song that's like, oh yeah, we're still a metal band. Don't, 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 don't go away. I don't think this is going to be like um, all ballads and all soft music and things like that. And it just kicks in. Great riff admits the cause riffing out. There's a Slayer style solo at the start. I want to talk about the last bit, man, where Alex just screams, I so loudly. And he, then, then the last mosh call where he's like, let the hammer swing. Which top five oh, hammer related mosh call? I mean, like top five um, domestic appliance related mosh call might be the number one. Let the hammer swing is just phenomenal. Um, I reckon you could say anything there, and I'll just be start fighting anyone. Open the fridge door, turn on the lawnmower, like let the hammer swing. Like these are all possible options. Uh, they're just amazing. Uh, thoughts on karma? You could have said anything. Oh, you could have shouted like clip your nails and I'd have been like, yes, come on. <laughs> I will, I will. Um, what, <laughs> I mean Pass me the device. <laughs> pass me the doofer. Oh, <laughs> uh, I um, would pay to have Alex be like a phone voice, like the Siri equivalent, where it's like oh, the time. <laughs> That would just be so good. Uh, <laughs> and then get and then to get the clean gravelly vocalist in to just do some of the uh, bits that you know. That's be <laughs> The time today is 723. <laughs> oh God's sake. That's oh, that's man. the next that's the next thing malevolence absolutely have to do. But yes, yeah, sorry, karma. Um yes, please. Karma. The drums. Those, like, yes. those, those rolling drums. I mean, it, it's surely a good point to ask, but as the drummer mm. uh, in between the two of us, man, these drums on this album. Just just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. The, the thing that, that sets the, the drummer apart in here, like the, the, the majority of, I think, great metal bands, is that um, when you listen to metal songs, um, and I, I mean this in the nicest way, and I've had a conversation with people on mic and off mic, and, and to other metal bands, We've talked a little bit about this. One of my greatest complaints about metal drummers 
is that really there are like four or five things that you expect to hear and you need to be like ace at those, but like they can get kind of predictable, like blast beats and, and, and sort of like 30 second notes on the kick drums, that the trigger trigger stuff. And like the, the, there's like a, almost like a toolkit to being a metal drummer. It feels this way and you come out of beats this way and this is how you operate your kick pedals. And, and the, the malevolence drummer, and it really speaks to them as a band that they don't follow the traditional metal tropes anyway, but they kind of combine them together to make an entirely new one. He does that the same. There's the, the mix of the mix of tempos here, the the ability to just rotate from from style to style. The the the, the fact that he can keep stuff interesting with his fills and things like that for me is phenomenal. It's one of the reasons why I gravitated to the Sleep Token drummer so much because I think that he's just um, he could just play along and just play the standard stuff, but he chooses not to. And instead does this like Neil Peart, Stuart Copeland kind of why hit one drum when you can hit 27 kind of approach. And that is, that is all, all for me. That is, that is the, that is, that is what I want. I want flamboyance, I want flair. I want to hear something that I might never have heard before. And Malevolence Drummer absolutely, um, absolutely does that. Charlie Thorpe, you are um, a god amongst men. Um, Just, just an outrageous, outrageous album um, that continues. Um, so we get to the first of the features. Above all else, hard as fuck, man. Um, at the yeah, end of that, that. Uh, that little <laughs> yeah, voice note. That's not a random impression. I just thought I'd stick in instead of analysis, folks. That's actually a soundbite from the end of the album. Um, it's, I mean, it just is, triplets it and guttural moments. If I didn't see your lips moving. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, like, you've got guttural vocals. They've got this um, back and forth kind of call and return yeah. type vocal style with him and the vocalist from Kubla Khan, which I believe is Matt Honeycutt. Yeah, Matt Honeycutt. And their, their, their relationship, their vocal switching up is just utterly, utterly terrific. And they seem to have designed a song that suits him as a vocalist and their relationship. So like when they did, when they did Keep Your Distance, I noticed that, oh, it's, it's cool that they actually kind of wrote like a knock loose kind of breakdown. For Brian Garris to come yeah. in, to come on to, and I felt like they did write like a Kubla Khan kind of um, malevolent song for Matt Honeycutt to be involved, which, which again shows their versatility. They're not trying to like um, strong arm him in and just sort of fiddle it, fit it into what they were doing already. They feel like they've genuinely structured the tune around him. It's just another banger, mate. It felt like one of the heaviest on the record. Yeah, and I feel stomp. like I said that with every single one, but it, oh man, somehow it just goes harder. And I was like, how? There's no, there's no, there's not another gear. <laughs> where um, else are you going with this? Because then, well, where else? They go straight into do or die. And that song. Oh, like, oh do or hell, die. Hell, man. The riff at the start of do or die <laughs> gave me hives. Like, <laughs> it was just <laughs> absolutely horrendous. Like, listen to the <laughs> opening riff on this. Just maybe my favourite riff on the record to open a song. When he's like, dun, 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 I was like, what? No, 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 no. I had to like replay it, hear that back. I was absolutely gassed the first time I listened to that. I was actually listening to that waiting to be picked up to go to Manchester the first time I heard that. And I was just like, sort of like getting ready, sort of like dancing around the room like I'd had a coffee. <laughs> I was listening to like this malevolent song. I was like, I could fight a horse at this moment in time. Um, I'd lose in like horrendous fashion, but I'd, I'd throw a couple of punches, you know, and it was just like that horse, kind man. of just... I'd take on a fucking lion to that. I get eaten alive, but I would like if 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 I'm stood outside the cage and they're like, dude, go in there, and I'm like, I'm not an idiot, I'm not going in there to fight that lion. And then they turn around to me and they're like, but we'll play do or die. I'll like give it my best shot, I'll do what yeah. I can. <laughs> That's what reminds me of this. 
Moses' question that someone shared uh, on social media today, and it was, um, would you rather fight an orangutan with a sword twice a year or fight a chicken every time you got into the car? <laughs> and I just thought about having to fight a chicken every time you get into the car. <laughs> I drive. I drive so much. I think I'd take the orangutan. Oh, man, I'm going to be... That that orangutan. Remember you walking so... around Aldi, and you're like ten minutes till chicken fight time. It's just like every yeah, week, at least it's there. I mean, I have questions moves. that uh, I have questions that are important to this because if the orangutan does he like sneak up on you? You know, is it like is it twice a year but you don't know when, or is it two set times a year? And that's it's like, true. That's true. I think there's fight. an element of mystery with the orangutan that you could be like at the dentist. He's just in the way, and there's something. And the sword appears in your hand, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like in the Chamber of Secrets, where Harry just pulls it out of the hat. Like you reach into your like your wardrobe to pull out your shoes, and the sword's there, and it's like quarter past seven. You're like, "Holy fuck, he's here!" You know, (laughs) you know, in um, you know, in Family Guy, there's just that chicken that comes out of nowhere. Uh, I'm not an avid Family Guy fan, but yeah, that scene's incredible. Yeah, but he does it like throughout random seasons. He'll just come out of nowhere and beat the shit out of Peter. That's what this feels like, except it's not a cartoon. It's not funny. And I don't trust the arm movements of an orangutan. So I do fear that the sword would move in ways that I just couldn't predict. Um, <laughs> so I'd get, I'd get cut to shit. But also, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that has to drive uh, a lot and a long distance. And the thought of having to add into my morning and evening routine fighting a chicken. I don't know. If there's <laughs> At the end of every work day. Just picking Mark, up the door. I'm so done. <laughs> so done. Like, hey, I mean, what, would the, what would the chicken's win ratio be? I'm going to say 40% of the time. You're just like, fuck it, I'll take the train. Uh, or just but, take the chicken just going at me. Yeah, just try, drive anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Windscreen, just elbowing stuff. Um, somehow we got from, um This is tangential because the point I was trying to make is that you would happily fight wildlife, listen to do or die by malevolence, and that's yeah, the that's the concluding point. point that I was going to make. If if you if you I were if you were eyes. if it was orangutan time, but someone pressed play on the opening fifteen seconds of malevolence, you'd be grabbing the sword by both hilts. You'd be charging in like last samurai, mate. It wouldn't be a problem at all. Oh man! Um, if you put if if I get into the car, I start the car and do or die comes on as I get in the car and the chicken jumps from the back seat and tries to get me. I'm fucking like full Matrix style grabbing his neck and being like, "Not today, bitch!" And I'm throwing him <laughs> straight out the window. Up the window goes, and my journey starts. Listen to do or die because if absolutely you know, then, did, then, then we go to, straight into a to. podcast and the shipping forecast, and you're just living in peace that you've just you know another day another chicken problem solved. Um, Another chicken um, choked out. <laughs> just another, another great day in the life of a dog food company. Um, so to move um, to move forward, um, we have to talk about what probably for most people, if you looked at the, the track and the, the heat, the feature, it's going to be the one that you gravitate to. It's certainly the one that I wanted to hear very, very quickly. It's Malevolence with Matt Heafy. And Matt Heafy himself sort of teased this about a year ago or even a, a few months ago at least. It was some significant that time when they were working on this. Yeah, it was ages yeah. and ages and ages ago, which implies that this has sort of been in the works for a while, which is exciting. Um, but Salvation, um, again, when we talked a little bit about the Kubla Khan elements of the Malevolent song that featured the member of Kubla Khan, this is like very trivium to open. So like 
starts off with this dark, clean guitar that has the classic heathy like, oh, you think this is just going to be a simple picking riff, then watch me hit 17 notes in three seconds, that type of introduction <laughs> that kicks into this malevolence cut, cutting back in with this chunk, slow, punching open, and it picks up the pace. Um, the chorus on this, even before Heath oh. comes in later, if we're talking about the chorus in higher place. This might be even better, but like, it was just a pure as a, as a chorus. chorus. Yes, as yes, exactly that. that it, uh, higher places in its own echelon of. Uh, I probably it, agree with that actually, compared. but chorus is the best chorus in the album. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a deliberate like the little 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 kind of like arpeggio type run underneath the chorus that feels very classic metal that feels very very tomorrow very like old school like back when like a trailer were really good for that 18 months and then like all these other little <laughs> periods of time um there's like classic great metal core even a little bit of kill switch a little bit just, a, just kill switch. A, i was just about a, to say kill switch. just a smidge just a smattering of kill switch just dotted in there um amidst all the heaviness it's just absolutely huge and then obviously we get uh two incredible moments i am yet to be oh. Convinced otherwise that Matt Heafy didn't play this solo, I will one day be able to ask one of them, and I'll be like, "Is that you?" Because, um, I don't know for sure. And it just you hear the first bit and you're like, "That sounds like Matt Heafy." I listened to Ibaraki. I listened to In the Court of the Dragon. I could tell the sort of guitar tropes that very much sounds like Matt Heafy, and I do hope it is because it is absolutely scintillating. But the the chorus going into the solo, coming into the fucking riff two-thirds of the way through this. I feel like I'm saying this all the time. This is, like, unbelievable, this riff is. Two-thirds of the way through. I don't even know how to describe it. Fast-paced, thrashy, somehow eminently singable and instantly melodic, and then it kicks into this call-and-response thing between Matt Heafy and Alex, yes. where they're just sharing stuff. And I like that they don't have Heafy, like, leading a chorus. I like that he's actually coming on the heavier bit and sort of adding in here and there. And it feels like his weight is... Increases the song, but it still feels very much like a uh, malevolent song. And then, then the breakdown. There's a breakdown on this, and it there is a breakdown for, on this. Pauses for drums and changes tempo, and there's pinch harmonics, and it's like there's like a thirty second period where you think it's one thing, and then it's something else, and then it flips again, and it sort of goes back on itself, and then it seems to go into a different timing, and then stops, and then there's like a kind of thing, and then it goes back into the chorus. You like, like you've been thrown into a washing machine for forty seconds. Like it is absurd. I've talked too long about this, but talk to me about this song, please, Jack. I mean, it, there's there's always a fear, isn't there, when you see a feature come up on a on an album, you know, like. Oh, please live up to standards because a feat we're, we're, we're like that aren't we a feature we always feels like it's not going to necessarily be enough you almost want so much out of it but this absolutely you get every bit of heathy on this without malevolence turning it into a trivium or a heathy track he just Definitely. puts the perfect amount of himself on it and i agree there's i'd be surprised if he didn't have some influence on that on that solo and um, or, or, or on the song in general. And I think when he teased his, um, him being on the album, I'm sure he was playing guitar as well. So, uh, but knowing Heathy, that could just be him just fucking playing it because he's. Yeah, he's just messing about, he's just doing what he wants. Absolutely. But I mean, for me, the way, uh, and, and, and we <laughs> talked about Heathy last week, but it strengthens that he is just, he can come in 
like the godfather that he is and he can add all these elements but not take over this is still this song is still entirely a malevolent song the way that he comes in uh into into the chorus later on and his vocals sit in the back of the mix and he's got that operatic style you know like like you would have on a, on a trivium chorus except it sits behind the clean vocalist uh and there's that that that, that beautiful melding of, of of the both of them and and then the clean vocals cut out and and, and matt's just kind of goes that little bit longer it's the same with the riffs that you were talking about they sort of outstay their welcome slightly but merge into the next section and then the last you know I spoke earlier about the last chorus somehow elevating again and this does exactly that after that bonkers washing machine perfect analogy 30 seconds where it was just you don't know what's coming I could still listen to it now and I'm free listens free full listens deep I can't remember the order of the way that they throw shit at you. You know, it's that drum fill into that, you know, guitar squeal into the, you know, it's just like, it's almost unpredictable. It, it, the, the song is phenomenal. It gives you every bit of what you want. Um, yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't let you down at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's it, once again, speaks to the, speaks to the reach of the band, speaks to the ability of the band. They're able to sort of, Bring, like you said, bring someone like Heafy in who doesn't feel overpowering. Heafy's like, I don't even know how to talk about it like Heafy's. Heafy's like, like this great actor that you could just sort of stick in the back of the film and he just makes everyone else better. But he's like, doesn't have like a massive role. It's kind of like, I don't know, like Samuel L. Jackson doesn't have to have any more than like 10 lines in a film, but like he's there and it matters because Samuel L. Jackson's there and every scene he's like 10% better because he's standing in the background of it almost. And he just has this like better effect on the film. It's just like, oh, that's one of the Samuel Jackson scenes. It's like um, I don't know, like a great athlete on a team that's like this veteran, and you sort of bring him in, and he makes all the other players better. And there's this like I don't know. There's like there's like a the heafy glow that sort of permeates. But um, I mean we've 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 done a lot of trivium love and, and heafy love in particular. So I don't want to verge on that. That's um, that's going to come out tomorrow. I believe, as well. Um, it is. It absolutely is. I'm very excited for that. I don't know whether he's more more mace windu or more nick fury i feel like he's probably the nick fury of uh of metal <laughs> just you know he's just like oh shit yeah look his his malevolence one of the avengers they're just they're sick <laughs> oh but i'll prop him up for the film it'll be great yeah i, I like that as well but i also like the mace windu comparison because he's in like half an hour of the star wars trilogy and he kicks ass for every second of it he just like turns up rescues people Annoys yeah. Anakin, mur- the only guy that murders Emperor Palpatine, pretty much, and he was just betrayed by Anakin, obviously, at the end. But had Palpatine up against the ropes, like the only guy that has ever done that, apart from like Darth Vader when Palpatine's back was turned, etc., etc., etc. Um, so like, yeah, it's the it's, it's yeah, Matt Heafy, Samuel L. Jackson. That that's a that's a that's a thing somehow. Uh, between that and the Erangasan chicken conversation, this podcast got off the fucking rails. Today. I was about to say, this episode's ridiculous. If you're still here, why? <laughs> oh, maybe they'll say something useful eventually. Uh, chances are slim, bro. Sorry. What are, um, they, on about? What are they on about? I don't, I 
It's like that's the scene in the office where he's like, sometimes I start a sentence and I just don't know where it's going to go. I just hope I find it along the way. That's been my entire strategy today, to be honest with you, let alone this podcast, mate. This is just a continuation, just trying to figure things out. Um, but Preach. we, we, yeah, um, just kind of to, to sort of put a bow on the album, it finishes off with Armageddon, which feels like, because it follows Salvation, right? Feels like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, it, it has this riff and it mixes the slow and the swaying pace. It's just unreal. There's another Berry Tomorrow kind of lit behind the chorus. You can tell they are experimenting with not, I wouldn't say melodic metal necessarily, but like a more uh, a melodic element to their metal, if that makes sense. Not, I wouldn't, it yeah. doesn't tip the scale so much that it changes the genre of the music, but you can hear elements of melody and mix the, the, the sort of heaviness and the hardcore style that they've been known to know to do and it just once again shows that that band versatility shifts pace in the middle age it's an amazing riff throughout and it's just these this feels like this is an album track but it's still fantastic um and it it's just sort wasted. of speaks i mean it no it's not, not at wasted all. at all that you know that, that it it just something <clears throat> to bring you down from salvation and it's just like it's a bit of a slower mosh that's all it is what yeah, the just breakdowns a, one of the fucking heaviest on the album yeah just a light mosh pleasant mosh it's just a oh well, you know i don't always want to go full mosh. No. I just sometimes a little mosh is all I need. You know what I mean? Don't need the whole mosh. It's like going out for a couple of beers and no, actually, I don't want to go after it. I just want to like mosh, actually. What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) You you come home after beers. Well, it I tell you it's like it's like (laughs) Armageddon. What but you you have to fight the chicken sober then? (laughs) (laughs) He's there. There's so many more issues because the chicken's in the car and you're about to drive. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If you have two beers, maybe you can get in the car. I don't know if I'm breaking the law even by having that conversation. Can you have two beers? It's okay, everybody, because Sam um, Sam is not qualified to drive, so um, no one has to worry or or make any complaints about us. Thanks. Yeah, for for good reason, evidently. Just turning up tanks, being like, all right, where are we going? Um, you're in a no, mate, get an Uber, you're not allowed here. Um, yeah, right. but anyway, just um, to sort of wrap wrap this album up, um, always in the habit of being sort of um, knee jerk and try and avoid that, but it's very hard not to think of this album and think of this band as sort of like a comet, really, sort of com- um, sort of shooting upwards, really. And I can't imagine a world where this album doesn't do what Malevolence needed to do. And given that the the band are on the trajectory that they are from the live shows, I mean, like what you said about Architects is actually well represented. My friends went to Slam Dunk and they said exactly the same. They came on and within 10 minutes of Pop Punk Festival largely was a metal show within minutes. And that that is rare to sort of have that impact this early. There's a real underground following here. And I do think they have a chance to combine the hardcore um, post-metal underground following, but somehow maintain that, you know, because they're, they're, they're hard to keep hold of, if you, especially if you're multi-genre at all, but also bring in these other elements of other fans um, from other areas, like yourself, like yourself. If Malevolence are stuck with maybe like, you know, sort of like Serpent's Child Cold style stuff, you might have thought, well, maybe this isn't always for me, but the fact that they're sort of spreading out means that people like myself and you can have conversations coming from two different polar opposites of the sort of metal, metal listenership. And I think this has a chance. This album has a chance to, to continue to do that, engage with the wider audience and be a massive success for them. Where do you sit with that? 
do you know what was fucking sick at the at the show is that I mean, one, there was such a big turnout for Malevolence as the as the openers for Architects. Now, yes, both have uh, both sit within the same metal scene, but we know that Architects is largely a younger person's game. It's our, it's our generation. I say younger persons, you know, you're sort of you're 16 to 30, um, you know, in, in terms of um, in terms of the appeal. That crowd was so diverse. You saw your you saw your typical metal elitists. You saw, you know, there was there was great representation across the board. They're all moshing out for Malev, and actually, I think they're that band that appeal to so many. There's some there's something about them, and we know what that is. They are commanding. They're dominating. They're they're brilliant at everything they do. They do it themselves. There's a real buy-in. The way that while she sleeps have captured a crowd have, have have captured that crowd and turned it into a fan base of legitimate fans they've done the same thing they're on the same path and they've put so much of the legwork in we're not just saying this album's come out of nowhere and it's going to be the best thing ever they've been building to this you called this when the other side ep came out and i remember you saying it but this is what they were building to it's it's a special moment it's a special album and, and you're absolutely right. I think it's going to do absolutely everything that Malevolence needed to do. And I, and I, and I don't, you know, I would, I would throw this at, at, at anyone who is remotely a rock and metal fan. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it, 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 it truly is. It truly is an incredibly special record from an incredibly special band. I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about Malevolence in the same way that we maybe talk about While She Sleeps in a couple of years, and then maybe we talk about it in the same way that we talk about Architects. A few years after that, I don't think there's there's, there's no limits um, to, to what they're going to achieve. That's going to bring us to the end of the podcast. I want to say thank you to everybody that listened somehow um, through what became a, a two-part discussion of fighting animals and maybe some metal. In between that, um, I want to thank everybody for getting involved. I want to give a special th- thank you to everyone that worked at Noise over the the Pua Festival, I want to give a thank you to Luna for having us on there for that. If you are listening to Luna, um, to this Luna, I really appreciate your involvement with us and looking forward to more in the future. Um, I'd like to thank everyone, everyone that's worked with us and put everything together and that's continuing to listen. Um, for those of you listening to us for the first time, please give us a follow on Twitter at The Noise Podcast um, or at Noise Podcast, either one of the two. I should probably know that. Um, I think it's at Noise Podcast. And if you can find us on YouTube at Noise UK, um, where you also find all the noise podcast bits and bobs on there, along with everything else that we're currently doing. Follow us on Facebook at Noise. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Anchor, on a whole host of places. Anywhere that you get a podcast, um, we will be there. Um, and just thank you so very much. I just really appreciate you having us on and listening and all the rest of it and putting us in your ears. We appreciate it, man. See you guys later. Thank you. Thank you.